1: Welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Jordan Hughgill to my Dowel DK. It's Justin Peach.
2: Good day to you, Ryan.
1: Justin, how are you, dear boy?
2: I'm very, very cold. I won't lie to you. It is mm. minus two where I am right now and it's yeah, pretty chilly.
1: Yeah, it is very chilly. We were having that weird period, weren't we, where it was warm over New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Mm. But now we're feeling... The full effects of what happens afterwards, considering it is still January. Um, and things may get a lot colder after this, Justin, because it's a controversial one today. Before we go into that, welcome to the More one championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. It's our halfway season predictions, ladies and gentlemen. So... We're going to be talking about who we think is going to finish in the top two, who we think is going down, who's going to finish bottom, who's going to finish in the playoffs, which team will improve the most, which team will fall the most, and various other things, including who we think will be top goalscorer, and which player we think will have a better second half of the season. Just to make it that little bit more interesting, we haven't told each other our predictions ahead of this show. Usually we'll give each other a bit of a heads up on who we've actually gone for but for this we're just going in blind so if me or Justin agree on something then you know we actually agree on it and uh, it's going to be a lot more interesting for the teams who actually are involved in whatever we're about to talk about but before we jump into the show may I tell you a listener about our friends at Fansbet the fan-led sports betting company committed to supporting charities and causes which are important to fans do check them out by clicking the link in our bio they've got an exclusive offer for listeners to the second tier you can get a welcome offer of bet 10 pounds get 30 pounds plus 10 free spins uk mobile registrations only terms and restrictions apply full details on site 18 plus please do gamble responsibly visit begamblerware.org for more info and do also check out fans bet responsible gambling tools let's get right into it justin top two who have you got to finish in the top two of the championship at the end of the season
2: yeah there's was, there was a lot of internal debating um it was a really Difficult one because I think I think Fulham are the obvious ones. I really do think Fulham are, even though they've dropped out of the top two now. I think they are going to be in the top two definitely come the end of the season. The the, the, the second one was really difficult to choose between three teams essentially, but I've actually now gone with Bournemouth. It's it's so debatable, um, but yeah, I think I've gone yeah definitely. I'm even I'm even second guessing myself now, but I've gone with Fulham and Bournemouth.
1: Yeah, for me, Fulham are definites for the top two. I will be. Amazed if they if they're not there come the end of the season. Will they win the league? I think they're definitely the most likely, but that's still up up in the air as well because there are so many variables you've got to consider. But the reason I think we both got Fulham in the top two is because despite them not playing well, they have been despite them not getting results, I should say, they have been playing well. The players they've got. When you've got someone like Mitrovic who's been scoring goals for fun this season then they're always going to be in or around the top two. And then you've got the likes of Harry Wilson, Cabano, Seri, all these players who really shouldn't be playing championship football (laughs) and on their day are just different beasts, aren't they, Justin?
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. The the personnel they've got available to them is is ridiculous. And I mean, it feels like we haven't seen Fulham play for a long time, but I mean, postponements have lent into that. And it also feels like we haven't seen Mitrovic score or go on one of those runs in a long time but again postponements haven't helped that um, and I, I really do think that we we still haven't quite seen the best of Fulham yet as a cons- uh, a consistent side, I still think we've got more to see and I think the second half of the season
1: they're really going to take it into their own Yeah, all over the pitch they've just got players who would quite easily be contenders for player of the season haven't they so when you've got though, that, many, that much quality in you know, and around your team I mean, there are even players who are just, I mean, Nathaniel Chalabar has played four games this season for Fulham yeah. and he won promotion with Watford last season after playing virtually every game. So that's talking about the amount of resource they've got compared to the rest of the teams in the championship. The other team I've gone for to finish in the top two is West Brom. And I've gone for them because I'm banking on Daryl DK hitting the ground running because West Brom... Have got everything they need, as far as I'm concerned, apart from someone in the double DK role, and now he's there. They've consistently been creating chances over the past couple of months. Defensively, they're probably, in terms of goals conceded and personnel, the best team in the championship. Midfield is great as well. You've got Mauer Livermore, and then you've also got players you can easily swap in freely of them with Milombe and what have you. So it was literally just the striker positions where I had my concerns. Carlin Grant was scoring goals, but probably not enough to um, for West Brom to rely on him. So they needed someone else to help with that burden. They've got Double DK now. If he scores the goals that we're hoping he will, then West Brom could quite easily run away with the top two. It is a big if, though, because obviously West Brom's forwards this season have been struggling. Uh, why have you gone for Bournemouth, Justin?
2: I've gone with Bournemouth because um, and they've pipped a certain Lancashire side very closely for me um, to second place. The reason why I've gone with Bournemouth is because compared to that Lancashire side and West Brom, um, I think that Bournemouth are in a much healthier position. (coughs) Um, If we're looking at past games, for example, they've they've convinced me a lot more that they can do it over a longer period of time than the likes of um, West Brom, for example. West Brom give me a lot of Concerns they make they make me a little bit nervous as to whether or not they've got the. I will say that the mentality in the bottle to to really put together a run of form um, to compete with the likes of Fulham and Bournemouth. Um, I think Bournemouth have showed that they can they can do that. Um, and I think the only thing that need, they need to get right between now and the end of the season is getting a settled back line. Obviously, Samora being away, at Afcon isn't going to help that. Um, but they're bringing in Ethan Laird, which bolsters, because you can play left-back left, left back or, or right-back, that bolsters that position um, or that area of the pitch for them. Um, and they've got Kelly getting back to his best, Cahill as well. Um, I think that's the only ingredient that's missing for Bournemouth to really put together a run of form um, to push them into the top two. So as a, uh, comparing them to the two teams that I was deliberating with, um, I think they are much better set to go then, than those two.
1: It, for me, it's between West Brom and Bournemouth. For the other top two slot. The other team I was thinking of was Sheffield United, um, but I think maybe it's just a bit too much ground. But I don't think you can rule them out. Uh, mm. We'll get onto them in just a sec. We'll start, we'll go to the other end of the table, Justin. It's the bottom three. Who have you got as your final bottom three, as things stand?
2: I, I'm not changing the, the, the bottom three as is. Um, I think it comes with a caveat of. That, that. I mean, that's Peterborough, Barnsley, and Derby. I think it comes with a caveat of. Cardiff and maybe Birmingham City I've got to really and Reading um, I've got to be looking over the shoulder very nervously mostly um, Cardiff and Reading Um, I, I really do worry about those two sides but for me I think Peterborough, Barnsley and Derby have shown I mean Derby comes with an asterisk, massive asterisk they, It's a bit of a false position When you consider the amount of points they actually won this season um, But Barnsley and Peterborough have, have, have shown that they are The two worst teams in the division To be really, really blunt And it's very hard to see them improving in the second half of the season Unless they drastically change the squad Which I can't see happening either
1: Yeah, While we're on this actually One of the other aspects we were going to To predict was who we think are going to finish bottom Who are you going bottom? Are you going Barnsley? I'm
2: okay, going Barnsley
1: I'm also going Barnsley. Uh, The the, the thing is, it's really sad to see because obviously we loved Barnsley last season, but they're completely different to the team we saw last season, (laughs) aren't we? And we've been giving Barnsley a bit of a stick. They've been the brunt of quite a few jokes on the second tier Twitter over the past few weeks. But the thing is, Barnsley fans don't think we're being harsh on them. They completely accept that they are terrible. And they are on course to be one of the worst teams we've seen at championship level ever they are mm. so so poor they have been harder to beat since Aspargi's come in but I cannot remember the last time I've watched a game with them involved and thought right you unlucky there you maybe should have got three points they haven't come close to getting three points in a long long time and that's down to many things losing players managers coaching staff and most importantly losing players in form as well, like Corley Mm -hmm. Woodrow, for example, has been so poor this season, compared to past seasons. You've got Callum Styles someone who I rated really highly this season I don't think he's been at the same level either so all these different variables and I, I struggled to see anything but Barnsley finishing bottom I will point out if anyone watched the predictions video where me and Ben HD on our YouTube channel did our league table predictions I put Derby bottom and I instantly regretted that as soon as I put out the video <laughs> because I really wish I put Barnsley bottom now um, but we'll get onto Derby in just a sec but yeah Barnsley are just atrocious aren't they Justin
2: they are, and it's interesting you say you can't think of any games where you've ever been convinced by them. Um, there was that 45 minutes away to, P- uh, not P- to P- away to QPR, where they were brilliant. They went 2-0 up. Obviously, they drew the game in the end. But that was under Marcus Sharp, and they were absolutely fantastic for 45 minutes. Probably some of the best football I've seen played this season. Some of the one-twos and exchanges in and around the box were brilliant. 45 minutes throughout a whole season where you've managed to convince us yeah. and it that was a long is time just time terrible. We well. have yeah, September, I yeah. think it was. It is, it is shocking and, and really, really unfortunate that Barnsley find himself in this state.
1: Yeah, well, the best of the bottom three, I've got the same as you, Peterborough and Derby. Derby, I think everyone right now is hoping that they stay up. I think even a few Forest fans are thinking to themselves, <laughs> I'd like to see Derby stay up. Because it would be one of the stories of the decade wouldn't it in English football Mm -hmm. Derby staying up it would be absolutely fantastic to see obviously the odds are stacked against them at the moment I think everyone can accept that but they're running it close if you asked me a couple of months ago I'd have said Derby absolutely no chance of staying up as the season went on even though they were doing very well I thought things would catch up with them even I'm now shifting and the chances of them staying up percentage wise are increasing every single week that they play they're doing a fantastic job and I think they could run it quite close but obviously with the amount of points they've got to try and make up it's still stacked against them right now. Hence why I've got them in the bottom three. Peterborough, they are relying completely on their home form to stay up Mm -hmm. aren't they? Their away form has been non-existent throughout the whole season and I can't see that changing unfortunately. So we are completely basing Peterborough's chances of staying up on their home form and players who they've got Turning around in form, but considering now halfway through the season just now, I think that's unlikely, unfortunately.
2: It's it's a flick of a switch, isn't it? Um, and can you ask that of a team that has firstly lost all but one of their away games this season and has a, a home record that is, I think it's the 16th best home record in the league, um, which is OK, but when your away form is as bad as it is, Unfortunately, you, you're going to find yourself in the bottom three. And as I say, you, you're looking at players, it's, it's got to be a flick of a switch in terms of confidence and form. Confidence takes a long time to come back. You ask any professional player, um, they will say it takes, it takes time for it to come back and form duly follows after that. I don't. I think it's, it's too much for Peterborough, too much to ask of Peterborough to, to do that. And as well as that, There's obviously going to be speculation linking key players um, away from the club. I think Mark Beavers has been been moved to Sheffield Wednesday. Um, Sarika Dembele as well. I'd be surprised if he's still at Peterborough come the end of the window. And then you've got to replace those players potentially, but they've also got to bring players in. It's a big job for Peterborough. I think it's too, too much for them.
1: I'd agree with that. Um, I think they've got a chance, but mm. it's, it's a slim chance at the same time. Um, let's go to the playoffs then, Justin. Who have you got to finish between third and sixth?
2: So I said a certain Lancashire side. Yes, it is Preston. Only kidding, it's Blackburn. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've gone with uh, Blackburn, West Brom, QPR, and Sheffield United.
1: I've gone for in no particular order Bournemouth, Forest, Middlesbrough, and Sheffield United. So we've disagreed on Forest and mm-hmm. have we had we've had exactly the same, haven't we? Apart from QPR and Forest, haven't we? Uh,
2: wait, Brom Blackburn, Brom Blackburn, Blackburn, QPR, Sheffield
1: United, yeah, right, okay. Um, but so you haven't got Middlesbrough, I haven't, no, okay. It why was difficult. You got Middlesbrough then, it was difficult. The
2: reason why I've not got Middlesbrough is because I think at some point they will. They will level out. Um, they will start to to drop points. I think they've been brilliant so far under Wilder, and the recruitment so far in January has Im- has impressed me. Um, but I just think they're still riding that that wave at the minute. I, uh, I think this season's not the season. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be very very close. But I think it'll be. Um, I think next season is the year for them rather than this season.
1: Even though they're strengthening in January.
2: Yes, but it it does come with a caveat that you look at the the striking positions, they've got three lone players, for example. Um, So there's not really going to be a a settled forward line in terms of longevity. Um, I think that that lends a a bit of an issue for for Borough this season as well as next season. Um, I just think, as I say, we're going to start to see... For a level out at some point. I think is um, if Sheffield United. went when they first came up We're in and around the playoffs and they dropped off um, and I expect that to be the same until next season where I think they will really start to, to push on.
1: It's interesting because I had Bournemouth, Sheffield United and Middlesbrough down as three teams I'm fairly certain will be in the top six come to the end of the season. The final playoff spot I think is up for grabs between Forest, Blackburn and QPR. I've gone for Forest, obviously, Um, mainly for the reason that Steve Cooper's had this steady progression as the season's gone on. I think over the course of time, that will do them well and they'll ultimately finish in the top six, which is why I fancy them a bit more than someone like Blackburn, for example, who have gone on this hot run of form. But either side, if they go back to the team that we saw before this hot run of form, they may level out and just finish outside the top six. Whereas Forrest have been steadily you know, progressing as the season's gone on. They're strengthening in January. Um, Steve Cook coming in is going to really solidify them at the back in what is already a very solid back line. Keenan Davis added to the striker position is going to be... Um, one of the last pieces of the puzzle, as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. for Forest. And, I mean, they've also been linked with Jed Wallace, which we'll get onto a bit later on, which, if that comes in, I, that would be a ridiculous signing. So, yeah, I, I really like the look of Forrest, Um And I, I put them slightly above the likes of QPR. Uh, the reason I haven't got QPR in there is because um, I'm particularly concerned about the striker position. I, mm. I think they definitely need to bring in a new one, in January but I'm not sure they will because I think Mark Wilberton may be quite happy with the three that he's already got I think missing Elias chair for AFCON is going to be a big blow as well Um, defensively I like the players they've got but for some reason they have been a bit shocking at times at the back and I think I'd sway more towards Forrest over them and then of course Blackburn of course I've said it over the last few weeks I don't think this form will last and I think it will drop out of the top six not even the race for the top two I think a lot of that depends on Ben Brereton-Diaz and whether he stays or not because for me, and I think even you'll admit this Justin, if they lose Ben Brereton-Diaz they're going to really struggle in the second half of the season, aren't they?
2: I'll agree with you Um, I I mean if you take Mitrovic out of Fulham um, I think Fulham will struggle to to put the ball in the back of the net as regularly as they do Mm Um, but at the same time, I, I do think um, Blackburn, and I think it's gone under radar, Blackburn have got very good squad depth uh, compared to other teams. Uh, they've got more balance. They've got, I think they've got more balance than the likes of Middlesbrough uh, and Forest when it comes to plays in positions. Um, I think they're a more versatile group as well, because you look at Barrett and Dears, for example, Blackburn were playing a four-three-three 3 3 at one point in the season, De- BBD on the left Gallagher on the right Dolan through the middle and they were interchanging now it's gone to a top two Kadra played up front with with um, and Diaz in the last couple of games and it's worked I think they're more fluid and flexible um, so they can get more out of other players in the side and I still think they've got players to peak um, they've got Bradley Johnson to come back in to really help solidify games you know he can be the man to to see out 1-0 leads, um, you know bringing him on in the 18th minute for example um, I think I think you can't rule this Blackburn side out and I think I think Brayton Diaz will stay. I think um, the amount of teams he's been linked with tells me that there's no solid links anywhere. I think I've seen four or five different clubs linked with £20 million bids for him. Um, so I do think Blackburn will get over the line. It's interesting your point on QPR as well. Um, I think QPR have got more about them than just the, the striking positions. I think they we, we still haven't seen the best of them and if they're still not got to their best with the squad that they've got, they can only get better, shortly.
1: Question for you on Blackburn. If Ben Barrett and Diaz had been sold in the first few days of the window, would you have still put them into finishing the top six?
2: Top six, yes. Um, really? Well, you've got the rest of the window to find a player to come in and replace Barrett and Diaz, and you've got a fair bit of money to, to play with as well. Because there's players out there. Um, I think Blackburn, the only issue with Blackburn and their recruitment is it's taken players... A couple of seasons to get going they'll need a player to come in and instantly impact the team um, that's why they have to keep hold of Brereton Diaz flat out otherwise it's no chance, of, um, no chance of promotion this season.
1: I think if they lost Brereton Diaz then top six I, I really would be surprised to see that happen quite frankly because um, I, I think they've got a decent side but not one that I think is capable of getting the top six without a Ben Brereton Diaz finishing off uh, the chances that they provide and um, and also, with that, going back to what I was saying earlier, Blackburn, if they go back to the sides that we saw prior to this really good run of form, then I struggled seeing them finishing in the top six anyway. So, yeah, that's why I've got Blackburn outside the top six, as for now. Um, Sheffield United is the one we haven't spoken about yet, which brings us very nicely onto which team will improve the most this season. I've gone for Sheffield United, which is no surprise (laughs) to anyone, considering I've been banging that drum now for the past few weeks, ever since Heckingbottom came in charge, just because I really like the look of them, Justin. Who have you gone for as your team who will improve the most?
2: Well, it seems very boring, but I I agree with you. I've gone with Sheffield United um, as well. Uh, it, it seems like it's chalk and cheese under Bottom, and, and you're kind of it I think the only frustrating thing is for Sheffield United is the amount of postponements they've had over Christmas because I don't think we've been able to see Sheffield United really flourish yet. Um, and I think that's the reason why because I thought they could have been in um, for a chance of the automatics, but I think the amount of games they've got to claw back now, any amount of points they've got to claw back as well, it's probably a little bit too much. But as you say, you can't you can't really rule them out. But at the same time, yeah, I, I think um, I think we'll see a very very good. Chevrolet United side in the second half of the season, I really am looking forward to seeing them play under Paul Heckingbottom and seeing what they can do. And individuals have improved massively as well. You look at uh, Bogle, for example, who was really poor on Ikenovic. Kind of he started improving. McGoldrick's looking like a ghost at times because he's just so fluid in in getting in around the pitch. Yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to to seeing them play. Really weird simile, but we'll go with it.
1: I was going to say a ghost is usually a negative thing to say about a footballer, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, Sheffield United, I think they can definitely run it close for the top two if uh, they do as well as we expect anyway. um, I think top six is... uh, They're another team I'd be very surprised to see outside of the top six at the end of the season. Um, And yeah, I think Heckerbottom's got them all now playing with confidence, players playing in the right positions. They look like more of a system um, as opposed to just 11 Mm -hmm. individuals who are very talented kicking it about around on the pitch, really. So uh, I think a lot of it will depend as well on Morgan Gibbs-White staying. There was a couple of rumours linking him with Wolves recalling him before January but if it hasn't happened yet that makes me think maybe he's going to stay but we'll wait and see on that one but yeah Sheffield United is someone who I think could be the team to fear in the second half of the season because uh, they could be a completely different beast to the one that we saw before Justin let's take a quick break after that we'll talk about which team we think will fall the most in the second half of the season and who we think will be top goal scorer, and who we think will improve the most in terms of players Welcome back to the second tier podcast. We're doing our halfway season predictions and we'll get now onto which team we think will fall the most in the second half of the season. I think before we get onto this, Justin, I don't know if it's the same for you, but I'm adding the caveat that I don't think when I say fall the most, I don't think it'll be as bad as previous seasons. For example, the first one that comes to, head, to my head <laughs> for me is Hull, where mm-hmm. they went from the edge of the playoffs to bottom of the table. I think we will never see anything like that ever again, where a team has gone from ba- being fairly decent in the first half of the season to <laughs> being an absolute disaster in the second mm-hmm. half of the season. I don't think we'll see that again. Bristol City, even from last season, where yeah. they went from the edge of the playoffs to the edge of the relegation battle, really. I think that's a bit of an extreme example as well. And I don't think the team I've got here are going to fall that much, but I think they'll certainly fall away from where they are now. Who have you got, Justin?
2: I, I agree with you, and the reason, uh, the reason, the reasoning in uh, behind it will will make sense. But I've gone with Stoke City. Um, oh, really? I have, yeah. And as you say, I don't think they'll fall like Hull did. Um, I hope not. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm sure a lot of Stoke fans will be having that as well. Um, but I mean, they're currently in eighth. We we had them as as serious playoff contenders before this. Uh, it, it is an injury crisis. Let, let's not beat around the bush. They will not. Be, they would not be in this position if it wasn't for an injury crisis. Um, but at the same time, I think Michael O'Neill has to do more with the players that he's got available to him and player system to get the best out of those players. But yeah, for me, a team that will fall the most is Stoke City because you go from being a solid playoff contender to. I think lower mid-table. Um, I think that is quite a, quite a drastic fall and that's where I think Stoke will finish based purely on the players that have got available to them. And as well as that, Michael O'Neill has alluded to not being able to bring uh, players in in, in January um, or not having too much room to manoeuvre when it comes to bringing in players in January, which they, they badly, badly need.
1: Do you not think the, s- the squad is still good enough to kind of stay where they are now?
2: Uh, I think... It is, but at the same time, the last few games have shown me that Michael O'Neill is still trying to persist with a system that isn't working for that core group of players. He's still playing. He's still trying to play a system that worked for the previous group of players, but those group of players aren't available. They might improve once the likes of Nick Powell, um, uh, Bursic, because Adam Davis will look very shaky in goal, Bursic, um, once they return. Um, but still, for me, they're not they're not looking like the team that we saw in, in October, September time.
1: Interested. The team I've gone to for the most is Huddersfield, which, considering they're now sat in the playoffs right now, um, I don't think it will be too much of a surprise for anyone, really. I am predicting Huddersfield to kind of drop back into the middle, mid-table area, bottom half of the table area, because I... I think while they've done fantastically well under Carlos Corbran recently, they're so much better defensively, and they look a different team to the one that we saw last season. And Corbrand and the players deserve a lot of plaudits for that. I think they're in a bit of false, a bit of a false position right now, and as the season goes on, considering right now you're looking at the table and they're above the likes of, you know, your Forests, Middlesbrough. Stoke even um, I think Huddersfield will definitely be overtaken by these sides and could ultimately be taken over by other teams as well who are a bit further down you'd like the likes of your Millwalls your Prestons those kind of teams Um, they they seriously lack a lot of a quality in the team compared to the teams that I've just mentioned and also Corbran has shown that he is still learning as a manager as well because he is still very young and very raw as a manager and is keeping in mind as well Huddersfield did have that serious drop off in form in the second half of last season as well so I don't think it'll be as bad as that but uh, I think they'll still fall away the most places in the championship compared to where they are now in the table so yeah Huddersfield were a certain bet for me in that particular area and I'll be very surprised to see them around the playoffs come the end of the season which team we think will be the most mid-table Justin I threw this in there just out of interest really which team do you think is in no danger at all of challenging the playoffs or the bottom three for the remainder of the season
2: you put it like that, uh, and it probably seems a bit harsh, but I'm just looking at the record now. Eight wins, nine draws, uh, seven losses, 27 goals 27, 27 goals con- uh, scored, 27 conceded. It's mid-table Millwall, surely. It is mid-table Millwall.
1: I've gone for mid-table Swansea, um, which okay. is weird because not too long ago, I... I think we're both looking at Swansea thinking, hey, up! could they be having a bit of a charge at the playoffs? But that quickly faded away into nothing. And I think Swansea now will just fade away into kind of the 12th, 13th, 14th area of the table and not really trouble uh, either end of the table for the rest of the season. Why have you gone for Millwall then?
2: I've gone for Millwall um, based purely on, if you look at the last few seasons, they've looked like they could challenge for the playoffs but they've never really committed to it. Um, And I think it'll be worse this season because I don't think they'll even look like they'll challenge for the playoffs. They're not going to get relegated. They're too too good to get relegated, but they're not good enough to get into the top six. It's as simple as that. It it really is. It seems like a very simple formula. Um, There aren't enough goals uh, in the side. Jed Wallace, there's rumours of him leaving, which isn't ideal because... He's the talisman, although Millwall have shown that they can operate without him this season. Um, defensively, they looked they've looked sloppy at times as well this season. It's it's just they, they're sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad, sometimes they're just meh. You know what I mean? They're just very average, and I think that's why they're going to finish mid, uh, mid-table. Um, they might get pipped to the draw record as well, which is sad. Um, because that has been the the uh, the trophy we've 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 put together with Millwall this season, and again that's the reason why they're going to finish mid table.
1: If they lose Jed Wallace as well, which they have been linked with doing in January, then that's going to be a massive concern for them, isn't it? And may even mm. see them slide away from mid table into maybe towards the bottom half of the table. But we'll wait to see on that one. The re- I've gone for Swansea just because I think Swansea are a good side; they're good in every department, but they're not. Excellent in any departments are they, and I think for you to either be, you know, going towards the play of saw, being you know lower down the mid table, you need to be either excellent in a certain department or poor in a certain department. But for- Swansea are just good all over the pitch. Really, they've got a good manager and we've got to keep in mind this is a transition season for Swansea they have had such a high turnover of players they've got a new manager in who wants to play a completely different style of football so a transition season is absolutely acceptable 100% for Swansea and I think that's just what they're going to do for the rest of the season they're just going to coast along getting good results here and there playing some nice football along the way but not get anything too monumental that they go anywhere different to where they are now. It is worth pointing out, with the whole championship table, by the way, in past seasons, we've seen how it was halfway through the season, then it's been completely different in the second half, at Mm -hmm. the end of the season. Um, This season, I think a lot of the teams are just going to be where they are now, quite frankly. There will be a few teams here and there who are in a completely different position to where they are now, but apart from that, a lot of these teams I'm looking at right now, thinking, yeah, that's probably where you're going to finish come the end of the season, and I can't see too much change really Justin are you kind of thinking the same yeah
2: I think um, I think obviously with the caveat of Sheffield United maybe even Luton pushing up high at the table I mean they've they're only dropped down to 16th because they haven't played any games but I think you're quite right um, I think that we could see the table finish fairly closest to what it is now um, but that's, that's the championship I wouldn't be surprised if Middlesbrough put a run of form together and maybe jump into the top two because you just can't rule anything out in the championship. It's a championship.
1: It is a championship, but we've been around here a long time, haven't <laughs> we? We've been scouring these lands for years now. And I think this is one season where I can't foresee too many shocks, apart from the ones we've already mentioned, the likes of Sheffield United having a good crack at the top two and they're, that that's one team in particular who i think are going to move the most but apart from that i can't really see too much else to be quite honest let's get on to the individuals then justin we'll start off with top goal scorer who have you got down as the player you think is going to be top goal scorer or is this quite an obvious answer
2: it seems fairly obvious it's got to be the the Serb hasn't it alexander mitrovic 22 goals so far this season um fulham don't look like they're going to relent. I know they haven't played too many games recently, but 22 goals in in 23 games that Fulham have played is a very good goal record. If he carries that on for the second half of the season, he will score 44 goals.
1: Yeah, don't think we need to say too much, really, do we? I mean, he's got one goal in his last four games, which is a bit of a a bit of a drought by his standards really poor form yeah poor form come on Mitro pull your finger out mate yeah he's um he's having a record-breaking season isn't he and it wouldn't surprise me to see him top the Tony record from last season of most goals scored in a championship season um he does need to obviously get back onto the goal record that he was having before for that to happen. But I mean, when you're on 22 goals and you're only halfway through the season, he could very well piss it quite frankly. So yeah, (laughs) as long as he keeps getting in the positions that he has done and Fulham keep creating the chances that they have done, then Mitrovic is, Quite clearly, going to be top goal scorers in this season, and his nearest contender is Ben Brereton Diaz, mm-hmm. who may not very well even be here yeah. for the rest of the season as well. So, yeah, Mitrovic, quite frankly, uh, is looking a very good bet for top goal scorer right now. Why are you pulling that face?
2: I've got to make a, a prediction here for Mitrovic. Go on. I reckon he hits thirty by the next. No, I reckon he hits. Yeah, actually, I reckon he hits thirty by the next international break.
1: When is the next international break? Is it February?
2: March. Mid March.
1: Yeah, well, well, I don't think that's a particularly outrageous shout, Justinny.
2: There are FA Cup games in between, so there are games where Fulham won't be playing league games. I think that's, uh, you know, I think it's a good shout.
1: I, I don't think it's particularly out there, I've got to say. That brings me very nicely on to player of the season, Justin. Have you got anyone different than the player we've just been speaking about?
2: Uh, yeah, I have. Um, and, it's, and it's the man that is, is following up. Uh, his goal record this season is Ben Barretto Diaz. I think the reason why I've, I've picked him over um, over Mitrovic is because he's come from nowhere. Um, you know, he, he's he's surpassed his goal record this season for Blackburn um, than any of his, his previous seasons put together, which shows how how good a season he's having. Um, and then you consider that um, where Blackburn are in terms of quality difference between them and Fulham. Um, he's really is performing way beyond expectations I think he's been incredibly influential and every time he's played he hasn't liked scoring I think it was actually just the the game recently where uh, against Huddersfield it's probably the first game this season where he hasn't looked like scoring um, he's getting into good positions his finishing's brilliant he's good with the ball at his feet he's really shown that he's a good player this season I think he deserves to be the half player of the season so far
1: you have kind of swayed me there um I've gone down for Mitrovic and I will add the caveat here that I am one of those people who thinks, you know, defenders, holding midfielders, those kind of players are sorely overlooked for this kind of award. And usually I'd go for them as player of the season. But considering the numbers that he's posted this season, I think it's hard to look past Alexander Mitrovic. He is going to have a record-breaking season. He's having debatably one of the best seasons if not the best season that a championship striker has ever had and I I just struggled to look past him quite frankly but Brereton Diaz considering what you said that he has he's definitely been the most improved hasn't he but the, the key thing that you said there was Blackburn haven't been creating as many chances as Fulham have so Brereton Diaz has In terms of his finishing, he's had to do a much better job than Mitrovic has, for example. So, yeah, you have swayed me a bit there, but I'm going to stick with Mitrovic just because I think in terms of numbers, you can't really argue with that, Justin. Final one of our mid-season predictions then, Justin, is which player will improve the most? I always find this one the most interesting one Mm -hmm. because we've basically got to go out there, pick a player who hasn't done that well in the first half of the season, but someone who we think could do a lot better in the second half of the season. So I'm very interested to hear what you have to say, Justin.
2: Yeah, I'll I tell you what, I, I've picked out two players here because I've picked a player that will improve and a player that has to improve. So I'll go with the has to improve um, first just because I thought it'd be relevant. And I'd go with Ovi Jaria for Reading because he's been very, very poor um, in the first half of the season. We've not seen the player that we, we know um, can play. Um, and considering Reading's position and need for more creativity, Ojaria's got to step up for Reading in the second half of the season if they are to avoid being sucked into the bottom three. Um so the player that has to improve for me is is Ojaria. And as well as that, um they're missing obviously Elise, obviously he's left. Um Mete's out, Zhao's gonna be coming back into fitness. They need him to step up and, and really take the mantle in the second half of the
1: season. I think uh, yeah, I think I, I'd agree with that. It's we saw that, that moment, didn't we? when Ejaria came back against Fulham and had those two goals and we yeah. thought, could this finally be Azzaria's season? But again, it's been one of those where he has games where he plays well, but it doesn't happen consistently enough. And the one thing that you can always hold against over Azzaria is he doesn't score enough goals, especially when you consider some of the chances he misses as well. Mm-hmm. When you've got someone who's played left wing for the last, is it two or three seasons now he's been at Reading? And yeah, I don't think he's got more than four in a single season. That is really poor for an attacking mm-hmm. player, especially someone as, as talented as him, who we know can score good goals. So yeah, I 100% agree. Ujari is someone who definitely needs to play a lot better in the second half of the season. Who have you gone for as uh, the other one that <laughs> you think needs to improve, Justin?
2: Uh, I think the player that will improve is is um, Andres Sparrow under Chris Wilder. And I think... Uh, I think in the first half of the season before while they came in I don't think we saw the best out of him but uh, the role that Wilder's got Sparrow playing in a second half of the season. Um, a bit more of a, a, a link-up player between the midfield and attack. He's been very dangerous in the box. His goal against Black, uh, Blackpool was was brilliant. Um, really, really cheeky. Very good finish. Um, he's a player that we know, I was expecting him to really hit the ground running when he came in, but he didn't. Um, so I think under Wilder in the second half of the season, I think he's a player that's really going to so make make people stand up and um and get really excited by him, and also put the goals that put the ball in the back of the net, which which Borough will need if they are to man a playoff
1: challenge. I've gone for the player who I think will improve the most in the second half of the season, Tyrese Campbell at Stoke, and plain and simply because we've been saying for ages, haven't we, when he was out injured that we were hoping he was going to come back and really change everything for Stoke. He's come back in. And he's had time to get his fitness back up. He's had a couple of bright moments, but I was hoping it would be a lot more than we've seen so far. And I think he's, well, he's definitely got it in him, Manti. I mean, come on. The player that we saw last season, before he got his serious injury, was incredible. One of the best players in the Championship. He's come back now, and he's had a few games to get his fitness up now, and he needs to be playing better, quite frankly. But because we saw how good he was in the first period of last season I think we will see that player again soon plus there's a lot more impetus on him now to be the player that he was yeah. last season yeah and Stoke need a goal scorer like him he hasn't been doing it so far but it's only a matter of time for me because he's too good a finisher to keep spurning chances like he is he's too talented a dribbler to not be influencing games as much as he is so I think it is only a matter of time before we see the Tyrese Campbell of old at least I'm hoping that is the case anyway. Right, Justin, now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news, and numerous games are being rearranged now, so it essentially means we've got loads of midweek games over the next few weeks, Justin. Not terrible news for us, because at least we'll have something to talk about in those various different episodes in midweek so there's that uh we'll go straight into transfer news shall we the express says Middlesbrough are closing in on signing Arsenal youngster following Balogun it's claimed Borough are paying all of his £40,000 wages a week and also giving a large fee to Balogun's agents sounds a lot to me like Borough are keen for promotion justin yeah, it does. It does. I think it's I think first
2: and foremost it's a very good signing. I think Balogun's a good player. Um and I think I mean we haven't got a, a huge um data pool to, to really pick from at senior level, but I mean he's shown that he can he can perform at uh, under twenty ones, whether he can step up to a first team level and really do it in a high pressure environment remains to be seen. Um but I've got two issues with this um signing and that's the, the wages. Uh, what the wages being the, the first issue and um, the amount of money that Arsenal are paying uh, sorry Borough paying the wages and the amount of money Arsenal are paying firstly why are Arsenal paying a 20 year old who has got no senior experience 40 grand a week that is not development for me I think that's that's ridiculous um, and secondly Borough paying 40 grand a week for a striker who is unproven at first team level I've had Borough fans justifying it to me that it's just 700,000 for the rest of the season but I thought Borough were turning a corner um, in terms of their recruitment um, now if Borough don't go up they've got three strikers on loan next season they're going to have to pay money to bring in another striker or rely on the loan system again and I feel for someone like Josh Coburn as well who um, I, I, I really like the look of he's still very raw but he's got more experience and more goals at senior level than someone like Balogun has um, so I would, like, I would like to have seen him get a chance over uh, the loan signing of, of, of someone of a similar age to him Um yeah, it's 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 disappointing that Borough choosing to go down that route, but I think Balogun is a good signing. Whether or not you can fire them into the top six, I have doubts over.
1: Fair enough. Birmingham have confirmed the signing of Man United defender Ted Mengi on loan for the rest of the season. It comes after Wolves record Dion Sanderson from his loan at St Andrews. Uh, Justin, you saw Mengi at Derby last season, didn't you? Can you give Blues fans an idea of the kind of player they're getting? He looked
2: very inexperienced when he first came in but he really started to show what he's about he's got good pace he's 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 pretty decent with the ball at his feet and he's not too bad in the air either um i just think it'll take him a few games to get going but stay with him because until he i think he tore his hamstring um and it was really disappointing because i think that sort of lent into derby's issues uh, in the in the latter end of the season but he's a good player a very good young player um who i think will need games to settle in but once he does i think they'll see a very good defender
1: he was 18 when he was at Derby. Yeah, you see. very he young. For a, a, I mean, a centre-half playing at championship level, 18 is... In a relegation yeah, battle. A sec- in a relegation battle, I don't care how big you are because he is a big lad. Um, 18 is still such a young age for a centre-half. Mm-hmm. So he's got a bit of experience under his belt. I mean, still 19, which is fairly young for a championship centre-half. So uh, I'd be very interested to see how he does because he's got big fill- shoes to fill in Dion Sanderson, who was fantastic for Birmingham um, in the first half of the season. The website Team Talk says Blackburn are demanding £30 million for Ben Brereton-Diaz. Brighton, Leeds, Newcastle and West Ham have all been linked with the Chilean, I remember about a month ago, Justin. We were saying twenty million would be a good bit of business for Blackburn. Do you think the promotion push has added an extra ten million pounds onto his price tag? It probably has, but you've got to think that
2: he's a he's a goal scorer at international level. He's hit twenty goals this season. You, you know, Ollie Watkins didn't have that sort of um, pedigree when he went to Villa and he went for the £30 million. So I can see why Blackburn uh, are edging towards the £30 million mark. But then again, he's only got 18 months left on his deal, uh, if you consider the option on the to extend it. So £30 million might be a stretch, but why not? January always adds a bit more money, doesn't it, as well? January, the, uh, the January transfer window. So that yeah. might that might
1: bring come into the thinking as well. Yeah, because teams need to... So. Five times strengthened, don't they? So they're mm-hmm. not as willing to let players go on the cheap, are they? So uh, London News Online says Millwall have rejected two bids from Forrest for Jed Wallace. He's out of contract this summer and has reportedly been attracting interest from Turkey. There were reports saying he'd actually signed a pre-contract deal with Besiktas, I think it was. So that's happening in the background as well. But I tell you what, Brennan Johnson and Jed Wallace in an attacking two behind the striker, Justin. That gets me very excited it's quite scary isn't it <laughs> because
2: they've both got really good pace um, they're both out and out wingers in a way um, but also can mix their game up as well and obviously Wallace at set pieces and then you've got the likes of Joe Worrell Scott McKenna because one thing they're really bad at is, is creating chances from set pieces um, so I think that will also add to that aspect as well yeah it does make the mouth water a little bit as a neutral but as a Derby fan it's quite sad to see your rivals strengthening in the way they are
1: I, it would be interesting to see whether Millwall do accept because, as I say, he is out of contract this summer, so they'll want to make a bit of money on him. True, but for they also, they in the same time they don't want to sell to a rival, do they? Because Forest and Millwall similar places in the table at the time of recording. Um, so I can understand why Millwall are rejecting, but it's either do that and make a bit of money or let him go for free to a foreign size like. Beshik Tass so very interested to see what Millwall will do but it does look mm. like Jed Wallace's days at Millwall are numbered unfortunately Bristol World are reporting that Birmingham, Huddersfield and Reading are interested in Casey Palmer um, we'll move on from that one Justin Bournemouth have signed Fleetwood youngster James Hill for just over a million pounds he's played 13 games for the Cod Army this season and is the son of former Preston defender Matt Hill so there you go yeah, wow! Is. Yeah, that's great. That's great information. That is, he's well, a good keep defender. Well, keep in mind you've got James Hill, you've got Noah Maweni, and you've got uh, Matt Hill's son, Your Maweni's son. You've almost got that whole Preston defence in the uh, playing in the championship. Who else?
2: Who else is missing? Graham Alexander. Graham and Alexander's son Where's his son? eh Cla- Claude um, Davis is He's all. got a son. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, produce. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Claude Davis says he's got a son? Who knows? Uh, <sighs> but I, I'd be awful for seeing that classic Preston defence reincarnated in the Championship. Uh, usually I wouldn't include something like this in the news, Justin, but I found this interesting and wanted to hear your opinion on it. Sky Sports pundit Don Goodman has been speaking this week and has said that Derby staying up would be a bigger achievement than Leicester winning the Premier League. Are you having that? Mm. Um,
2: I think it could be, you know. Um, because I think the only reason why you wouldn't consider Leicester to, to be in the running for the Premier League is because of the top, the the, the much fabled top six. But when you consider that Derby had about nine players at the start of the season, um, literally about a day before the Huddersfield game, they had nine senior players. Um, it wasn't until they got players signed up um, about midday that they were allowed to play. Um so there's 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 that, there's the financial issues, there's administration, and there's 21 points they've got to make up. So I think you take the odds thing out of it, because a lot of people are being cited 5,000 to 1, which I don't think is relevant. I think it could be a bigger achievement, but at the same time, it's very difficult to weigh up. Is it is it easier breaking into the top six, or is it easier making up 21 points? I don't
1: know. Yeah, it's an interesting debate. Isn't it? I think it will, without a doubt, be the biggest um, <coughs> achievement of the decade. Won't it? Because I, mm-hmm. I struggle to see how anyone can top Two years that then. unless someone does a Leicester again in a in the Premier League. It is very easy to forget how much Leicester were on that were on their arse when they won the Premier League um, because they were favourites for relegation that season, weren't they? Mm-hmm. So, True. but you do make a very good point that Derby did only have a handful of players heading into the first game of the season. Twenty one points is a massive, 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 massive. Uh, Amount of points to overcome. It considering no team. I think actually only I think only one team has stayed up after going into administration. Palace, yeah, yeah. So Derby doing it, it would be a massive achievement. It's definitely on the same kind of level as Leicester, whether it's bigger or not. Is up for debate. And finally, Millwall legend Jimmy Abdu has been called up to the Comoros squad for the African Cup of Nations. 37 years old, still going strong. But I tell you what, Justin, I, I do find the African Cup of Nations fascinating in the way because there are countries there who you'd expect to do well, but don't. And then there are tiny countries who have actually qualified for the tournament because... I mean, the only reason I've ever heard of Comoros is because of Jimmy Abdu. I don't have a clue hmm. where it is geographically, uh, but they've qualified. Um, and then I was having a look at who hasn't qualified. South Africa haven't qualified. Kenya yeah. haven't qualified. Wow. Uh, they're big countries with a few famous footballers. But Jimmy Abdu rocking up with Comoros. Go on, Jimmy. Love to see it. Love to see it, don't you? Yeah, can't
2: wait. I actually will tune into the AFCON this year. Um, I, I don't in previous years, but if Jimmy Abdu's uh, pulling the strings in midfield. And then you've got to, haven't you?
1: I was watching the Chelsea Spurs game on uh, the Carabao Cup semi-finals on the TV last night and they were advertising the African Cup of Nations and I think they had Ethiopia versus South Sudan. I think that was right. I may be getting that completely wrong, but I was like, what a classic game to have on the telly <laughs> for Sunday night. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Right, now it's time for this. All right, all right. Settle down, you lot. It's time for the Craig Bryson pub quiz. Thank you, Mr. Bartender. Yes, this is the game where Justin and I try to guess a mystery championship legend. This week, I'm giving Justin six clues on a player who's made at least 200 championship appearances. All he's got to do is guess who it is. The score for the season is 8-6 to myself. I think we've mutually agreed now that we've got to be a little bit obscure with some of the players we choose because we're just getting them every week otherwise, aren't we? Having said that, I don't think the one I've picked is actually that obscure. So we'll see how you get on. He's kind of on the boundary of obscure and not obscure, mm-hmm. if you see what I mean. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's see how you do. First clue is this, Justin. I've made 202 championship appearances, scoring seven goals. Oh, uh, 202 appearances. Yeah, that is borderline obscure.
2: Because um, that's about, how many seasons would that be? Probably about five, six. Um, I'm going
1: to say Chris Lacetti. <laughs> Not Chris Lacetti, but always good to hear him mentioned. I made my senior debut for Altrincham in 2007. Um,
2: <clears throat> trying to think of players from the Manchester area. Uh, this could go well. <laughs> uh, sure, I no,
1: we've had Sean St. Ledger. I'll just say Sean St. Ledger. It's not Sean St. Ledger. I've played for five different sides in the Championship. I only spent more than two full seasons at one of them, and that was Middlesbrough. Jeez.
2: I'm going to say... <laughs> um, did Diego, Diego Gora play for Middlesbrough? I feel like he might have. Who? <laughs> I, I, I'm really sure I would say his name. Tiamani Diagogora.
1: Plays for Morecambe at the minute. Could oh, Diagaraga. D- Diagaraga. What did I say? Diagora, I think he said. Okay. It, it's not him. No, it's not him. I have 48 Premier League appearances to my name as well. However, I couldn't find a club by the time I was 31 and ended up moving to Australia. Did he play in Australia or did he just, you know? I think he played eight games.
2: It's, it's completely irrelevant information, but it's always nice to see if they've made the move for their career or for their lifestyle. Um Oh, this is a really difficult one. Made 40 odd appearances. Um, I'm trying to think of players who have moved to Australia now. I wouldn't much um, thought into it. So I completely forgot.
1: Oh, I might not have forgotten. They
2: might have really good knowledge of it. I don't. <laughs> I really don't know. These
1: are really difficult clues. I, I'm I've, in kept I've kept them skill. I've kept them skill. I'm in trouble here. Shall I move on? Um, yeah. 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 One of the things I was most well known for was my ability to throw the ball very far, although I was accused of hiding a towel underneath my shirt while playing in the Premier League in 2011. Hmm. hmm. Is it Rory Dillap? He's not Rory Dillap. Made a senior debut in 2007. Oh, crap. <laughs> Final one. I'm only 33. But I'm now a pub landlord in Staffordshire. (laughs) Staffordshire is a clue. Why is it? The club you played for most may have been in Staffordshire. In the Premier League. In the Premier League, Staffordshire. It's not Burton, is it? So it's got to be
2: Stoke. Uh, I really don't know. The only player that's come into my head is Andy Wilkinson, but I'm not. He didn't play for Middlesbrough and he played a long time at Stoke. Um, had a long throw shit giving up <laughs> Um, I'm going to say I don't know
1: yeah I give up this is horrendous well the player you were looking for was Ryan Shotton see I was I
2: had Ryan I had Ryan Shawcross on the tip of my tongue but I know he obviously played got the first first six such a six long time <laughs> yeah that is really really frustrating
1: <laughs> enough. I thought he played more games at championship level Ryan Shotton. Mm-hmm. Um well he, he only played for Derby, Birmingham Middlesbrough and then the other two mm-hmm. spells were on loan I can't remember who they were on loan at but he didn't really play regularly for anyone did he? no they were, they were very hard obscure clues he kept them obscure the player's not that obscure though no, the player is is quite easy. Oh God, that is so there disappointing. We go. For the first time, ladies and gentlemen, in months I can't actually remember the last time one of us didn't get one right. One of us has fallen at the Craig Bryson pub quiz. Justin has got his head in his hands. He is gonna have a very, very bad Thursday. But this is how Craig Bryson works. It's a it's a it's a very harsh beast, isn't it, Justin? It is. And you probably
2: should screenshot how disappointed I am, because I am truly, truly, <laughs> truly frustrated with myself. Um, and we've recorded this early on a Thursday. It has ruined my
1: day. Good. And I'm glad I managed to contribute to it in some way, shape or form. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, what a way to start off your Thursday or whatever day you're listening to this on. Uh, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Sunday where we're going to be doing our Team of the Season so far which is going to be bloody exciting isn't it so we look forward to seeing you then um as always if you could give us a Rating, uh, You can now do ratings and reviews on Spotify, I've noticed. So if anyone manages to get around to doing that, we'll be very grateful for that. As always, if you could also do it on Apple Podcasts or whichever uh, server you're listening to us on, it'll be eternally grateful, uh, the both of us. So, uh, yes, please do that if you can. Otherwise, yeah, this has been the Second Year Podcast. We'll be back again on Sunday. I've been Ryan Tilks. I've been Justin Peach. <laughs> the disappointment in his voice. <laughs> Thank you for listening.